listening to the Beyond the Page podcast where we go beyond the Oregon State campus and into our communities to talk about the best thing in life, art. This podcast is hosted by the PRISM staff, OSU's Art and Literary Journal for students by students. I'm one of your hosts, Natalie Harris. And I'm your other host today, Tosca Rutolo. Today we have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Linda Berry, an award-winning writer, cartoonist, educator, teacher. Um, last year in, two, uh, in 2021, she was awarded by Oregon State the Stone Award for Literary Achievement for her array of critically acclaimed uh, literary work and for being a mentor to young writers. She is the author and illustrator of the comic series Ernie Pook's Comic, along with illustrated novels like Cruddy and The Good Times Are Killing Me, which was actually uh, made into an off-Broadway play, which I really love. <laughs> <laughs> Many of her creative nonfiction publications, like Making Comics, What It Is, and Syllabus, Notes from an Accidental Professor, inspire readers to discover their own artistic and creative passions. She has received a MacArthur Fellowship and has been inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame. A past commentator for NPR, often seen featured in publications like Esquire and Salon, Linda Berry is an artist to be reckoned with. She now teaches at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Thank you so much for joining us today, Linda Berry. I am so happy to be here. I'm delighted. I'm turning a little bit into a beaver. There from, we go. Yes, <laughs> I really feel my front teeth growing a little yes. bit. Yeah, I love it here so much. I'd give anything to teach here. It seems like a wonderful Aww. school. Yes, it's yeah. wonderful. Our School of Writing, Literature, and Film, I'm sure they'd love to have you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, it has such a fantastic vibe. Has totally. this been like your first visit to Oregon? Or? Not my first visit okay. to Oregon, but to this school. To school. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just, I, I'm in love. It's like that thing where you just get a bad crush on a barista <laughs> by accident. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah. I have this bad crush on this place. Yeah, well, I know we all feel very honored that you decided to come back, especially after, you know, you were awarded this award last year, and then normally that's like the year then you come to campus and you had you had to do your presentation on Zoom because yeah. of just the remote nature of everything. Um, so we really appreciate you being here and spending time in person. I wanted to come so much. I wanted to see you all. And then our experience, when even though it was on Zoom, mm -hmm. I had such a positive feeling from yeah. everybody. So I've... I've I took the first plane I could. Aww. <laughs> yeah. And with your presentation a little bit earlier today, there's such a difference between like being able to talk to people on Zoom and then also like in person today, we were able to walk around and look at each mm -hmm. other's art. And, you know, you literally got to draw in front of us and say, OK, your turn. Yeah. Which I think is such an in-person yeah. impact. It it's really important is. for us to be together. It just mm -hmm. is. It's really important for us to be together. And particularly in school or this time in your life that, that never comes back. This is like a really important time when you're in, the, in school. And so to not have that uh, social element um, for those years, did you, so you all were, you were offline, I mean, online school, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I want the world to apologize to you. <laughs> but it, it makes all the difference to just see just how somebody moves, how they take off their coat, mm -hmm. you know, where they like to sit, how they hold their pen. Like all those things are, you know, they were just part of our daily lives for so long. And now it's just they're like flowers to me. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been really nice to to be back in person and, yeah. to, and to navigate the hybrid world has been interesting for sure. Um, but it adds a lot of it adds a lot of great accessibility, which is the wonderful thing about learning from the remote thing, at least a takeaway 
some of the lessons learned. It's nice to have have those Zoom options and still have those wonderful connections. But it's been great too, especially with the arts, like coming back in person and yeah, and yeah, and being able to create in the same room together is yep. something that's so so special. Kind of like along with that, I was curious of I know just speaking of like pandemic times and being remote and being being away from people and um it often sometimes felt hard to create. So how how are you creating in this time when there was so much chaos happening in the world and so much uncertainty? Well, you know, it, because I do feel like a lot of people might have expected we have all this time on our hands, so we're going to make all this right. stuff. But, it, you know, you have to factor in, it was scary. Mm -hmm. It was depressing. It was um, something nobody knew, especially the first year, nobody knew which way it would go. So I found myself, and I, I found myself, all I wanted to do was draw cats. And I just, I, first I kept going, why do you want to draw cats? You've never wanted to draw cats before. It's like, I need to draw cats. And so every day I thought, well, if that's what I want to do, I'll do it. And um, so then I started to sell them for fundraising. Um, and uh, I ended up making a lot of money for food banks and all these places. But the most important part was I had a reason to draw cats like yeah. all day long. And that's what I did. And so for me, you know, I, I, I just followed my inclination. Um, in, and though I felt guilty about it, which I think is something that's an odd thing. You feel guilty about doing something you like doing. Mm -hmm. what's that about <laughs> yeah. like should I have been drawing something I hated like brutalist buildings or um no so that's what I did I drew cats and I read I read and read and read mm -hmm. um and another thing that I did was I would get on the couch and pretend I was on a train like mm -hmm. I I you know when you're when we were kids everybody could pretend right yeah. you could just pretend and then you get older you just don't pretend that much except you pretend that you're not interested sometimes and you pretend <laughs> different things but um, I found myself on that couch just pretending I was on a train, reading Dickens, and um, hoping things would work out. Yeah. yeah. The question I had, and it's related to what you're talking about, about feeling guilty about drawing things that you like. Uh -huh. I feel like that is kind of part of maybe what keeps a lot of adults from drawing. Yeah. Just like how it keeps a lot mm -hmm. of adults from, like what you were saying in your, your workshop, like from singing. Like, yeah. Well, I love to sing, but I'm terrible at it. Yeah. It's like, well, should you be like an opera singer? Should you be a famous pop singer? Right. Um, and I, I was reading a quote of yours that's like when people say that, uh, I'm bad at drawing. I can't draw. It's like I'm bad at using my kidney. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. thought that was really, really yeah. funny and also very true. Yeah. So we were kind of wondering, like, what advice you'd give to like adults who have maybe been told their whole life or felt their whole life that like I can't draw. Like I'm just not going to try. I can't draw. Mm -hmm. Well, you know that that I guess I'd say there are different kinds of drawing, mm -hmm. and so there is a kind of drawing that's like, for instance, um, that's very representational that you look at it and you go, man, that looks exactly like a vase, you know, or it looks like just like a wine bottle. Um, and uh, those are the, you know, and we tend to admire people who can really do that. And that's a one kind of drawing. Um, but there's another kind that is actually much more related to the fact that we like to move our hands. Um, if you think about um, being in, in a class um, and this urge to sort of doodle, whatever doodling is, um, doodling is such an interest. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of research on it, but there's like this need, and usually we start doodling when we're in a in a situation where we are um, almost. It's a possibility we may be bored, mm -hmm. and so it's a weird way of staying 
present, you know, and one of the things they found is people who doodle um, during um, lectures, for example, in school, um, they can look at the doodles and remember what was what people were saying during the lecture. It's almost as uh, it's more efficient than taking notes with it with a computer. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as efficient as taking notes by hand, but they have something in common. What they found is that people who are taking notes with their computer, um, it turns out that you can go ahead and take notes with your computer and not be paying attention to what's going on at all. It's almost like you're just taking dictation. Hmm. So you're not making any choices about what you're doing the notes about. And doodling, oddly, um, people have been able to, so they're just going to doodle a bunch of chickens. But they can remember if they were like listening to a lecture on the history of the Renaissance, they can remember what, what the person was talking about when they were drawing these different chickens. So there's something really old and human about it and old and human about making marks. And um, so what I often try to do is to demonstrate to people that drawing is so much more than rep representing an object. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we did in the workshop today, and it's a good thing for anybody to try is you just set a timer for one minute and close your eyes and draw something. Just close your eyes and draw an elephant for one minute with your eyes closed or, um, or a mermaid. And uh, when you open your eyes, usually people feel this sense of surprise, especially if they're doing it with friends. That's mm -hmm. a, really, it's a social thing. And um, you just feel that the drawing itself, all you did was close your eyes and draw for one minute. But there's a change that comes over your body and there's a change with how you're able to talk to the person next to you who also was drawing that mermaid. Mm -hmm. So I like to look at drawing as being something other than uh, this, This I really did a good drawing or I didn't. It's uh, The drawing to me is always a side effect. So if it turned out that there was something you could do by just wiggling your pen on an index card that changed the way that you felt or changed the way that your neighbor felt when you held up your drawing, that's interesting. You know, that's, I mean, it's very low tech <laughs> and it's very interesting and it's very, very old. Um, so there's something about moving hands, moving our hands. Um, and then making pictures, it's uh, the same thing, this idea of being scared of drawing, scared of um, dancing, scared of singing. Um, and I, one of the things I think a lot about is when did that happen? Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I started to get really interested in working with four-year-olds, because right before kindergarten, and right before drawing and uh, drawing and writing split at about kindergarten, there's a you're told there's a difference between drawing a picture of a horse and writing the letter A. Mm -hmm. But for uh, for four-year-olds, they're the same thing. the 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 letter A is a character they draw. You know, and they're actually called characters, right? Like right. they're characters. Um, and they'll, uh, the four-year-olds, they'll come over and they're just learning to write, but they're really drawing. And I remember this girl comes over and she had this piece of paper with a giant E on it. Her name was Emily. And then there were all these other letters and uh, she held it up to me. And I said, tell me about it. She goes, this is the letter E bossing all the other letters around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the kind of thing you don't think about a letter bossing other letters around. Although we know the vowels think they're so much better than the oh, consonants right. <laughs> <laughs> and y's kind of by you know like y right. knows how to how to swing with the consonants and the, so so it's a it's just this idea that there's some stuff that worked when we were kids 
that we abandoned for reasons that are, you know, you can go all into, into all the reasons why we became scared to do these things. And this idea that you can bring them back into your life for a reason other than being famous for singing, you know, a song. Right. Well, and with like, I mean, that's so part of what we're trying to do with the art and literary journal here is reminding people that you don't, you don't need to be a major in order to be artistic. And I feel like that's also where part of that split comes from is like, as soon as you get older, they're like, oh, there's ballet classes you can take. Oh, there's like drawing classes you can sign up for. Oh, you need like a piano tutor to like teach you these things. And so then it becomes this like formal method where it's like, oh, you like have to be in choir if you're you know yeah. going to learn these things. Mm -hmm. And it's and that is like a pathway you can take. And obviously, like there's great things that come from that. But it really, I think, deters people. I know for me, like with singing, like I, I never did choir, um, but I love musicals and I love being in musicals. But I still feel like that sense of like imposter syndrome because I've never like taken like these official classes. Yeah. And so I don't think we could tell you the amount of people that we've met that yes. have been like, oh, man, I loved painting growing up and I love watching people paint, but I'm a chemical engineer yeah. major, so I can't. It's and the... it's like. No, that's and that's getting back to these internal organs, because I think mm -hmm. the arts are like our external organs. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so this idea that people just saying, you know, my drawing doesn't look good. It's sort of like saying my liver's ugly. <laughs> you know, livers are kind of, but it'd be really bad to be without them. Yeah. You know, or this idea that unless you could ride a bike like Lance Armstrong, you shouldn't ride a bike. And it turns out Lance Armstrong even couldn't ride a bike like Lance <laughs> Armstrong or this idea that say you go for a bike ride and you come back and you had a good bike ride and then there's a knock on the door and it's that those that guy that drives the google truck that takes pictures of everything oh, right. <laughs> and they say you just went on a bike ride and i say yeah and they said what did you think of it i said i think it was a good bike ride and they say let's look at the tape you know what i mean <laughs> so it's this idea that no the experience happened while i was riding yeah. it's not how I looked while I was writing or, yeah. or looking at the, the tracks. the, But we do need a community kind of to do it or some kind of encouragement. And mm -hmm. the community doesn't necessarily even have to be a living community. It can be copying um, a drawing by Picasso or, draw, or copying is such a good thing to do to learn how to draw. That's how most people learn how to do anything. That's yeah. how we learn to sing. We learn to dance. Mm -hmm. And talk and walk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although copying gets a bad name, right? But it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a really good thing to do. So I just think that again, this idea, the basic idea of uh, a tenet of, of the theory of evolution is that things that contribute to our survival tend to persist, mm -hmm. and art persists. It's amazing, and that little kids, um, two year old, man, they always look good dancing. Yeah. You notice that? I mean, they can have green Kool-Aid coming down one side and a full diaper, roller coaster of love, and they look good. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so it's it's not about, and it has to do with the fact that they're fully there, you know? Yeah. So I think about all these things that can give us so much. And actually, there's a lot of really interesting um, research on what it does to our our immune systems and our mm -hmm. stress levels. And there's a reason why this stuff persists in every culture everywhere and why little kids do all the arts. They do sculpture, they do dance, they do every all the arts. Yeah. Um, and then something happens. And uh, 
And then it, and it happens for a while. And it's like a fairy tale, isn't it? Like in the beginning, everything was good. And then something got lost and you were alone in the forest. And then some creature comes to you, a character, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so this is a story that's like told over and over again. But most people are really convinced that it's over for them. You know, people get convinced very young. I remember being... I don't know, I was probably eight or nine, and I heard somebody on TV say, if you want to be a ballerina, you have to start by the age of three or yeah. four. And I'm like, damn. And then, you know, violin. It's like, I was by 12, you're washed up, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. I don't know what that, why that happens, but my work is so much about trying to um, lure people back into the image world. Mm -hmm. Come on back. Something I remember from when I was little was like being in like first grade kindergarten and like seeing a bunch of pictures that were like little cards, playing cards of different careers you could have. And there was an artist and, you know, it was like a smock and a, and a little artist hat and yeah. a paintbrush. And then it was like doctor, um, musician. And I think maybe part of it comes from that, like, we're pushed at such a young age to make yeah. those decisions. And it's like, well... I'd like to be a, a doctor, but I'd also like to be a writer, but I'd also like to be an artist, but I can only pick one card. There's that feeling, mm -hmm. yeah, that yes. you can only pick one. Yeah. And you better make a very practical decision. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I used to think when I first went to college, I was the first person in my family on both sides to go to college. And when I first went, I thought I have to study things I don't like to, so I can get my money's worth. Yeah. It was like this idea yeah. that if you study what you like, you're you're not getting your money's worth. I don't know. I had this idea that it, it should. I only it only lasted for a year because I went to such a good school. I went to the Evergreen State College yeah. in Olympia, and uh, I had some really good teachers who helped me out of that. But um, there is this idea that you have to pick, and this is what it's going to be. And uh, and there are a lot of adults who believe that. And who will, uh, I, I work with kids and their parents. And uh, um, so we'll be having a drawing jam, say, so I have maybe like 20 kids and some parents. And the parents always, they don't, they don't want to draw, but they want to tell their kids how to draw or how mm. not to draw. And there was this kid doing this drawing, this amazing drawing. Once she was three, but she could, she, her speech was clear. And I asked her about it. And her mother said, it's just scribbles. It's just scribbles. And I said, I, I don't know. I said, what can you tell me about the drawing? And she said, yes, it's a pond with a fish in it. And there it was. I could see it. And oh. the reflection of the moon. She's three, a reflection of the moon. Wow. And it was there. Mm -hmm. It was right there when she showed it to us. It was right there. Um, but her mom couldn't see it. Hmm. And that, I think we split into those things. We split into that mom that can't see what we're doing and just you know tell, telling ourselves this isn't worth doing mm -hmm. and this other part that just wants to so mm -hmm. bad but feels like it's a waste of time especially in school when you have a lot of deadlines and a lot of pressure I'm sure you have strong opinions about this is when people see like um modern art for example uh -huh. and there's that always that line where it's like well a two-year-old could do that yeah it's <laughs> like you're paying you know fourteen thousand dollars for that painting I could do that and it's like yeah, but you know, what's really interesting is I worked uh, when I got to the university, I'm, I'm kind of a science hag. I love science. And so my appointment in the beginning was halftime in the art department and halftime in this group, it was called the Wisconsin Institute for Discovery. It was all these scientists. Hmm. 
And I was really interested in handwriting and what's happening to it because there's so much, so much focus on keyboarding. Yeah. And so I, I realized it was gone from the humanities. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Where is it still? Where does it still have power? And it turns out in the sciences, in the science building, all the physicists and mathematicians there were drawing formulas like crazy on their whiteboards, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, drawing little things. So I was taking pictures of them. And then I uh, was working with four-year-olds and taking pictures of their work. And one day I put the drawings next to each other. And I saw that the, and when I, I do a slideshow of this, I mean, people are astonished. I saw that there was such a strong similarity between the, the quality of line. Um, and so, and, and when I show them the four-year-old scientists, four-year-old scientists, and you can see they look so alike. And then I said, what, you know, and people always say, oh, my drawing looks like a four-year-old did it. What if that's what a drawing looks like when you're getting an idea? Mm -hmm. yeah. What if that's actually what it looks like when you're getting an idea? Or what if that's what it looks like when your drawing is giving you an idea? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's a, it's really remarkable that there's a whole other kind of drawing that isn't that representational drawing, but has something to do with gesture and thinking um, and playing. Mm -hmm. um, so that made me really excited to think that that same line, I mean, it's, it's remarkable, is with four-year-olds and, and scientists. Not the really uptight ones who do perfect little, you know, things, but the ones who are really thinking and doing their whiteboard stuff. Yeah, that, that just like, because I'm, I'm studying graphic design and creative writing, so uh -huh. I'm a double major. I, you know, very much pulling, yeah, all, all the creative things. Yeah. <laughs> and um, with graphic design, you know, so much of it is it's all digital pretty yeah. much, right? And um but they do they do teach us is is to get you know get back to that sketching by hand and sketching out getting your layouts getting your ideas out on paper because it does it feels different and it's so wonderful i know you do collages and i try to get into collage work as well because it's it's like graphic design but you're cutting things out and you're placing it yeah. with your hands and there's just something that feels there's a happy accident yes the happy yes. accident which is harder to get digitally it really yeah. is and you get so structured like i know when yeah, like I know, I know some people try to like skip those like skip steps sometimes of, oh, I'm just going to go straight to the computer. I need to like rush this. I need to finish this <laughs> and whatever. But I know and it would be faster. There's right. this idea. But it, it isn't. It isn't. It I is feel not. stuck sometimes. Yeah. And it's really nice to get, get those, get those ideas out with, yeah. with the pen and paper. Well, the body has a lot to do with it. And with the, the biggest change in graphic design is that it's done sitting down now mm -hmm. with a like a mouse or a little pen, right? right. Mm -hmm. um, and it used to be done standing mm -hmm. um, because you were doing it all laying out. Right, yeah. And you, there was a lot of going toward the thing you were doing and backing and up backing. so you could yes. see it. Yes. So there was a lot of physicality that I think really that's ideas do come from moving around that's why you and i we're all talking now no one can see us but we're moving our hands while <laughs> yeah. we're talking right um because it, one of the things they found is if we don't move our hands um they had uh, two groups of people who had who were told a complicated story and then they had to explain the story one group had to sit on their hands while they explained it <laughs> They took longer and had a much harder time explaining the story than the person who was allowed to move their hands. So movement has something to do with thinking. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing. I, I And I feel really sad about the people doing all the drawing on their pads now because there's always 
there's so much that you miss um, when the only texture that you're, I mean, you can pick different pen lines and all this, but the texture is exactly the same on your pad, right? Mm -hmm. There's no difference in paper quality or any of that stuff. You also can't spill something on it and suddenly it looks really cool. <laughs> so, and, yeah. And that goes back because I'm I'm studying creative writing and psychology uh -huh. and psychology has such an interesting connection to the arts. And that even the tactileness goes back to like studies they did on rhesus monkeys where mm -hmm. it's like monkeys would prefer the tactileness of like soft and warm and feeling than like something that's just super useful like oh food yeah so i think that's like with us like we would prefer to have something physical to hold and to touch and to feel with paints and you know markers and crayons and yeah. i think yeah you you don't get that as much when it's you know all digital and you think what you're describing is there's two there are two of us psychology has some interesting stuff but we know that the brain is divided into two parts. There's been some really interesting research on um, on a part of us that is very uh, um, methodical, um, sees things in isolation, um, wants to be very efficient, is um, really, really uh, um, over-optimistic about how long something takes. <laughs> and then there's another part of us that works in a, a non-linear way. And if you have these two competing things, um, most people choose the practical way. The, the, I mean, kids don't have their their brains aren't. I mean, they're split. They're they're split, but they're not as discreet. One of the things about monkeys that I just read, um, there I forget where where is it? Is it in Austin? It's a zoo somewhere, and there's a a young gorilla. And the problem that had been going on with this gorilla, he was having trouble um, with the other gorillas, and part of it was because. He liked to be right at the front of his, there was a glass cage and people have know that this gorilla likes to look at cell phones. Mm -hmm. So they, they would take pictures of him and then play them back or show this. But the gorilla is so focused on the cell phones that, that he's not socializing. Mm -hmm. So they actually have to put up a sign saying, please don't show your cell phones to the gorilla. And I thought, I'm that gorilla. <laughs> I'm that gorilla. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so it's uh, it's it's irresistible the screens right. are irresistible they're not necessarily bad they're just really irresistible right yeah yeah we wanted to ask uh like is there advantages and disadvantages of like transferring between the kind of traditional paneled comic to more of a like open and yeah. collage way of storytelling well i think i think both you know it's sort of like saying songs you know country songs versus um, techno, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're still songs, but they're very, very different. And they have different functions for me. When I am really not knowing what to do, uh, I have found that I just remind myself to just go to some magazines, just tear some paper up, tear mm -hmm. any kind of paper up. I like Elmer's school glue. I know like pe people like Maj Podge or, <laughs> or, or like everybody has their thing, but uh -huh. I like good old Elmer's Elmer school glue. And, um, and then I just put things together and I don't, tr I just try to do it fast. I oftentimes work with a timer. Right. So, so I know I only have 20 minutes to do this because yeah. if you have two hours to do it, you'll still only do it in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You'll just freak out for the first hour and a half. Um, but yeah, that that is, and I, that has to be one of the oldest things, because if you think about kids when they dump their toys mm -hmm. and they arrange it, that's collage. It's, it is. So all these things 
I keep coming back to uh, to uh, to little kids because all of the the things that we call the arts and that we do have roots early, 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 and um, I, I I'm very interested in how a kid is able to create a character. You know, we talk about character creations. Right. You guys write, so it's yeah. like, what should you know? You should know about your character, <laughs> and you should. But uh, a kid is able to take a piece of cloth and turn it into s someone, mm -hmm. something that has everything to do with their well-being. This is before they can talk. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody showed them how to do that, how to turn that. And then, um, so say there's a stuffed animal that a kid is really, really, really attached to. Um, what's interesting about it is I've, t I've talked to them and I've said the stupidest stuff. Like uh, there was there was a kid who had this um, toy, Mr. Banana. And I remember asking, I said, is Mr. Banana alive? And they looked at me like, are you know, you know, you're just being a, you know, you know, he's not alive. But if I had said, is Mr. Banana dead? It'd be like, hell no, Mr. Banana is not dead. <laughs> Mr. Banana is not alive in the way we are, but he's not dead. He's something else. He's something in between. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the other part that's interesting about images is how they move through time. Like you all know who Scrooge is, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So Scrooge was uh, here before you were born. Scrooge will be around after we're all gone. Yeah. And then I'll say to my students, well, where is Scrooge? Where is he? And I, I have one smart ass who goes, London? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting. He's with Spider-Man. He's with Medusa. He's with all these characters that we know about and interact with and actually can bring up to each other. Mm -hmm. But where are they? And my godson said this really interesting thing. He said, well, you can figure out where they are by thinking what it would take to get rid of them. Which, by the way, I don't know the answer, yeah. except for it sounds like annihilation of the human race, you know. Yeah. Um, but so that kind of stuff's interesting that we all have that. We carry the image world with us and it moves through time. Yeah. It outlives us. Maybe the like loss of these characters is kind of connected to the loss of like a native language. Yeah. I know when you're saying yes that like in um specifically in your Vox interview I was reading, uh, you were talking about how drawing is a native language. Yeah. And that's I mean the oral tradition is how we pass along characters right. like Spider Man uh -huh. and yeah. Scrooge and Medusa and I mean the the guy with the hook hand that yes. taps Cap on the window. Oh, oh that dude! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's oh, all oral <laughs> tradition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that we pass that on to each other, just like we pass on um, gut bacteria and, you know, like genetic features. I mean, it's it's interesting that there is this other. That's what I mean about it being like external organs mm -hmm. or this external mm -hmm. immune system um, that uh, that we we need it and we carry it on. And, and you know, people know um, how to uh, capitalize on that. I mean, if you look at the one place where um, people use pictures and singing and words, it's commercials. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about all the commercials you've memorized without even yeah. trying, I mean, you just, sometimes I have my students just sit down at their, this is the one time they can keep, they use a keyboard in my class <laughs> to write down everything that they've accidentally memorized. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's remarkable. It just goes on and on and on. And then I usually um, take it all and then have the computer read it back to us in that kind of voice. And it's five dollar, five dollar, five dollar foot long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So they advertising knows what gets into our heads mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, and, and how to get something stuck into our heads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, as we kind of like close out this, I, I had one question that I think would be really good for like our listeners out there and, you know, and especially like those, you know, in our prison community, Oregon state community with students and stuff, because, you know, uh, as we were talking about earlier with, um, there, if you're not like majoring in something creative, then sometimes you feel like you don't have time to pursue your other creative interests. Yeah. And so what is something that, you know, you would say, or like, what's like a prompt you would give or advice you would give like to, to people who maybe don't already have that creative outlet or are hesitant to, to use that creativity? Well, I would invite them to, uh, I'm, um, when the pandemic started, I thought a lot about drawing with kids and drawing with people. So I made these videos. I made like 20 of them that are each about two minutes or three minutes long. They're on YouTube. It's called Draw Along with Linda B. Mm-hmm. And so it's all it is, is you see my hands. There's a song playing. All right, let's draw um, a snail. That'll just say that. And then I just play music and I draw a snail really slowly. Mm-hmm. And so that people copy yeah. me al- along with it. And then it's done, done. And and there's a bunch of those. And I found that people really like doing them because you can't go wrong. You know, it's only going to list this thing is you're only taking a two or three minute risk Mm -hmm. and you end up with like a nice drawing of a tiger at the end of it or something. So I invite people to to do that, to just find a way in because it's it's hard to find a way in. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank I you love so much. being here. I love talking to you. I mean, students are where it's at as far as I'm concerned. I mean, <laughs> you're at the top of your game. You're alive and lively and curious. And um, I want the world to give you everything you need. We're pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just it's just been so great to have you here. Same. And thank you for I all love, your encouragement. I love it with all my heart. Thank you so much <laughs> for your you. time and for coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll head into our little outro here. So thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Page. If you're listening to us on iTunes, then make sure you subscribe to get updates when a new episode is released. And we always love to hear from you. So don't be shy to leave us a review. Give us a follow on our socials at OSU Prism or check out our website, which is linked in the description. Big thanks to KBVR-FM for your support in getting this podcast out on the radio. And thank you to Orange Media Network for making this podcast possible. I'd also like to thank School of Writing, Literature, and Film for getting us set up and connecting us with Linda Berry. Yes. Um, We really appreciate it. I thank them too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. And we will see you the next time we journey beyond the page. 